Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence. And today we have an amazing guest, Vanessa Kuto, archetypal astrologer, teacher, artist, and all things magic. Uh, she's joining us today from Portland, Oregon. Um, Vanessa, do you want to introduce yourself? And welcome, welcome. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for inviting me. This is a, I've been enjoying your podcast and the conversations you're having. So this is a, a lovely opportunity to be here with you. Yeah, I live in Portland, which now is the sunny Portland. <laughs> Normally, it's the rainy Portland. Uh, yes, I'm an archetypal astrologer, artist, and teacher, and many other things too, but that's where I tend to focus my part of my jam. And uh, yeah, and we met at Camp Sodust. We last did. Year yes. In Oregon. Yes. So. Yes. And Shout like, out to Camp Soldust. Exactly. For those of you who don't know what Camp Soldust is, go to soldust.com. Um, there's another one coming up in April in Oregon. Um, and I meet so many amazing people from camp. So um, it is such a magical place to be and meet like minded people for sure. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah. So yeah, it's so lovely to see you here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, um, I took one, I took a few of your workshops at camp and the first one was around the moon and I learned so much about the moon. I didn't know there were so many nuances to the moon. Um, so I'd love to dig more into that, especially around self-care. Um, you also do beautiful artwork with somebody's birth chart. And for those of you who are tuning into the YouTube video, which will eventually come out um you can see some of them hanging on her wall and it's just gorgeous um, thank you and i'm working on two uh, if you can see uh, uh, there's my drawing table next to my computer and i'm working on two birth charts for a brother and sister it's just so beautiful like i'm like it's on my list <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and I'm just, and then I took at last camp, I took your astrology workshop and I've taken astrology, like I've taken, um, courses before, but the way you explained, like the way you explained it and how you tie into the story of like the, you know, the Zodiac and the planets. And it's just, it's so visual that I can, like, I'm a visual learner as well. So I, I it's cemented in my system. So like, I even like, I get it more. Um, so yeah, oh, like, yes, yeah. yeah, why don't we start with how, I mean, this might be a long story, but how did you get into astrology in the first place? It is a long story. Um, I call, you know, actually astrology has a muse and her name is Urania. And I like to say that the muse of astrology got me when I was a kid, because I remember being in elementary school and I don't know how really I got into this because no one in my family, <laughs> you know, was into this. 
And I would ask my friends, oh, so what's your sun sign? And I started observing that, oh, you know, that there are similarities uh, with the signs. And I got really curious. And then when I was the, a teenager in junior high, my mother would give me money. Um, to, I had to go to the dentist. I had braces on, so I had to go to the dentist. And so instead of using the money for transportation, I would walk and save the money. This was back in Brazil, and you know I'm I'm from Brazil, and because books are expensive, so I would save the money to buy my biology books. No, and that's amazing. I, <laughs> I don't have those books anymore, unfortunately, but um, I should have kept them. And and then in high school, I got um, introduced to Linda Goodman, you know, Sunshine. And I loved it. I loved the way she described it. But it was really in my mid-20s that I actually had my birth chart done for the first time. And soon after that, I found a teacher. And uh, I started studying with him. And, uh, and his approach to teaching was a lot following the you know Jungian psychology, psychological astrology. So really, that's where I got started. And this is where I really feel very connected with, you know, archetypal psychological astrology. Um, and then from that, I just kept on studying with different teachers and taking courses and workshops and reading books uh, for some, uh, when I was in grad school for a while, I didn't even touch astrology it was too much, you know, balancing all of it. But it was actually art that brought me back to astrology after grad school because I, a friend of mine had a, her baby, her son, and I was like, well, I don't know what to get him. She, they have everything. And so I decided to draw the birth chart. And she and her husband looked at it and they're like, you know, you can make money with this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I started making the birth charts, which are, you know, it's the, your birth chart, but I do the art piece trying to capture the symbolic main themes of your chart you know, with the art piece. And I work with markers and I color. And um, and so now I've been doing these for a while and I call them the temenos because in Greek, the temenos means the sacred ground. Mm. And I find that your birth chart is your cosmic real estate. It's your, you know, it's your sacred ground. And we are the ambassadors of our birth chart. Mm, that is so it's your own country, you know. I love that. And, yeah, so it really goes beyond sun sign, but um, that's how it all kind of started back when elementary school. That's so incredible. It's so funny how like, like if if we look back to when we're young and if we pay attention to what really brought us joy and our you know our habits, and we can start putting pieces together of like what we're meant to do for some people. Yeah. yeah, actually, that's what I did uh, in my late 20s and early 30s when I was really struggling with, you know, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to do the nine to five. Um, but what am I here to do? Because as my father used to say, he and I were jack of all trades. And I had to actually go back to what I liked as a child. I thought, well, there was a the clue. Uh, and I would also go to the bookstores and see what I what kinds of books was I always buying? What kind of theme am I always looking for? And that was the clue. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination, I think it's an easy way. Uh, it's always a gray sort of path. Mm -hmm. 
it's not black and white, but I think to look back to what brought us joy in childhood is a, a major clue of what we're here to do. I mean, I liked drawing, I liked, I liked astrology, I liked history, and I liked stories. And it's what I try to do now. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what archetypal astrology is? So it's more you're looking at the symbols. You're looking at it from more, more of a symbolic uh, relationship. This is the way I understand it. And it has to do with the idea of, uh, you know, C.G. Jung and Jungian psychology that we're dealing with the archetypes. And the archetypes for Plato was these ideal forms. You know, when you think of a tree... You know, there's a sense that there's an ideal form of a tree and all the other trees come from that original form of a tree. And so we're looking at the planets and the signs as archetypes, as these forms, and that they manifest in different ways, but it's all coming back to the same thing. So for an example, when you think about the sun, you think about sunny, you think about light, you think about creativity and warmth. These are all parts of the archetype of the sun in its different um, manifestations and, you know, in the physical world. So it's looking at astrology from that perspective that we're dealing with the symbols who have, uh, they change and morph and interact with us and you know, they manifest in many different ways and in many layers. That's the way I understand it and the way I like to approach it. Um, but also, I also look at it very much psychologically as sort of psychological processes. And, um, but, you know, archetypes are everywhere in our culture. You know, when you think about when things resonate, in a way that it sort of it catches sort of you know people really gravitate towards that it has hit i feel like that archetypal um core uh one of the best examples is star wars the story itself is very archetypal the father looking for the father evil and you know good and evil and that's why the story still resonates because it has hit that resonance mm. and that's why mythology still resonates because these are archetypal these are so old and um but also archetypes i feel if you think of the as sort of thought forms in a way they engage with us so i feel like in astrology as one of the many tools for self-awareness and understanding things we are it's part of our job description, if you will, to engage in the conversation uh, with them. So the more you know, you have, yeah, I feel like you're more empowered to be more present in the conversation rather than something that's just happening to you, you know. Mm. Um, so that's my approach to astrology. I hope it made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And like, I, a lot of people will go to astrologers because they want fortune telling, like, tell me what's going to happen. When am I going to make money? When am I going to find my relationship? Like all of that future forecasting. And I just love what you said, because it's not about what's happening to us, but it's like being present with what's unfolding, like the archetype, letting that story. Yeah. Right? I feel like, yeah, because if you think, because to me, astrology is a language. 
more of a language than, you know, there's a huge argument. Is it art or is it science? I think it's really a symbolic language. Mm -hmm. The more you know, like any language, the more proficient you become in it. And you can sort of read more complex texts, right? And I think astrology, the more you actually know, the more power you have to really then engage in the conversation with it, with your life. So there is an element of... I do think there is an element of divination in astrology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it is very ancient and, and it was used for that for in many ways. But our level of consciousness in our world now has also shifted. And I think astrology shifts as we shift as well. You know, it's a two-way street. So I think nowadays people are much more ready to take it as sort of like, not so much tell me what's going to happen. Oh, granted, you know, all of us in the best of moments, sometimes we just want to know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, I mean, I even, I'd be like, just, just tell me. Yeah. Um, but I think we are, we have evolved to a certain way that now, you know, to a certain level that we are now able to be like, hmm, how can I engage in this sort of co-creative process to use a, a, a common expression now? So I think that's when you can have a, many levels of astrology. You know, sun sign is just the, the doorway. Mm-hmm. But even as you visit different astrologers in different stages of your life, you will see that your understanding gets deeper and deeper about your birth chart. Because I think the birth chart goes kind of, there's a spiral, many spirals of depth going in, mm-hmm. in further into the birth chart. Can, um, yeah, can we dig a little bit deeper? Because mo- a lot of people who aren't aware with astrology, they'll know their sun sign. Like that's like, because you just have to know what date you were born, yeah. like the day, and then like, oh, I'm like Virgo, I'm Cancer, I'm Capricorn, or whatever. Um, and that's mostly that's to people's extent. And then you'll read it in magazines, like your horoscope. <laughs> call it a day yeah yeah. (laughs) but there's so much like i think there's the rising there's the moon sign and this is where you have to know your time of birth which might be challenging for people who might not know but like what does rising and the moon tell like what does that like how is that helpful so think of it i like to tell my students and clients this your sun sign the sun is both what you are and what you're becoming. It's almost as if like whatever is your sun sign and your cancer, was it cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've come to this life to major in cancer. You know, it's like all themes cancer. You take, that's your major. <laughs> and then there are all the other ones. You know, you're taking specific courses around themes around that sun. Then, but the sun, you know, it's like the, it's the solar planet, uh, solar system, all the other planets, and they also have something to say. So I tell my clients and students that the chart, which is a map of this, you know, from the perspective of Earth at the time you were born, is shows that the rest of the other planets are engaging. They're both helping or challenging the sun in its heroic journey of fully becoming oneself. And, and so you are looking at things from the perspective of earth, like you here down here. 
And so you have many elements in the chart. That's why people look at the chart. They're like, oh my God, this is you know, hieroglyphs. What is this? So from the perspective of planets, at least let's say just cover the moon and the ascendant, right? The moon is very important because the moon represents your emotional inner landscape. And the moon is related to your first experience of nurturing and receiving nurturing and a sense of security. It represents your relationship with mother or the main caregiver. And everything about the moon is very pre-verbal. And so if, if you think about someone you know, you know, you can think about them doing their work in the world like the sun, and then you get to know them a little more intimately. You, you get to meet that moon. What, is it, what are they like when they're stressed? when they're, you know, feeling hungry or something, you get to see the moon. <laughs> so I'd like to tell my, uh, my folks that do your moon mm. and your sun will thrive. Mm. We need to do what the moon needs. Because think of it, the moon explains or reveals what is it that you need at a very core level to feel nourished, sustained, secure, and safe. When we don't do the moon, when we don't have those things in life, then we get those moods, which is it's a word related to the moon. Oh. So you get moody, right? <laughs> um, you get uh, perhaps you behave irrationally, quote unquote, because you're not um, being fulfilled. So it's really important to look at the moon and the relationship that the moon has with the sun in the chart. So I often look at uh, the lunar phase in which you were born. The rising sign speaks to, it's the sign, it's also called the ascendant. So you will hear both the rising sign or the ascendant. And it has to do with the line of the horizon. And it would have been if the sun was rising at that time, what sign was at the horizon when you were born. And so the rising sign, it, it, it's a bit more as if the world is a stage and we open up the curtains. How do you show up on stage? That first impression. Mm. You can get the, you get the rising sign uh, when, you know, at that moment of birth. That's why you need to know the exact birth time. And at that moment of birth, because it, it captures that moment of birth, the rising sign then also reveals how you tend to start things in life. It's very interesting because it's therapeutically, and I, th and I don't know who, but I know they, there's work, work has been done around this, that when you, the way you were born, the labor, the experience, reveals a lot of how you tend to start things in life. Mm. So it's very interesting to ask people, you know, was it an easy birth? Was it traumatic? What was happening? And that will give you clues to how people tend to start things in life, how they tend to emerge, to use your, the name of your podcast, right? How did they emerge in the world? That's the rising sign. So also another way to look at the rising sign is to think of it, it's the car that you drive in this journey we call life. What kind of car is it, Right. Is it a sports car? Is it a, you know, SUV? Um, and so the, each sign, whatever sign is on the, on the ascendant there will give you a, a different coloring. 
So normally when you meet someone the first time, that kind of impression is the rising sign. Gotcha. Now, if you've got planets around there, the plot thickens, but um, just in short, you know, so let's say someone who has a Aries rising, the way they engage with the world, the way they approach their environment, it's going to have an Aries coloring. So they could be the most, they could, let's say they could be Pisces, which is a bit more uh, uh, traditionally considered dreamy and imaginative, but then they got the Aries rising. They want to start things quickly. They're, let's go do, do, do. They need movement. Very different. It gives that Pisces a different coloring. Mm. You know, so as you look at the chart, you have to look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. How are the planets relating to each other? Um, you know, what's do you have a cluster of planets in one sign? So then that becomes uh, a theme as well. So it's it's like you're looking at a chart, you're looking at a play, and the planets are actors. The signs they're in, it's sort of how are they doing this? What what role are they playing? What what costume are they wearing? And so the sun, let's say, I'm just thinking about a movie that's came out now with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, right? They could be sons. Right. They're playing that specific role in that movie. It's always Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt. <laughs> but he's playing a certain kind of character. That would be the sign he's in. Got it. Actually, so He's Leo. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know his chart. Yeah. So then it's almost like um, the the actor is the. I'm I'm trying to like explain it in a way. So then like people who, so Brad Pitt for example, he's let's just say he is a Leo, but he might be the role that he's playing. He's the sun, and the role he's playing is the certain sign he's in. So if he's ah. playing, let's say he's playing a spy. It's like Scorpio. Uh, know, it's Scorpio. Let's say he's playing a family man. He's, you know, it's like Brad Pitt being Cancerian family man. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. You know, playing with these stereotypes of the signs. Yes. Yeah, that is so fascinating. And um, if for those of you who are listening and you're hearing like airplanes, uh, there, it's the it's the Seafair Blue Angels weekend. So there's like. I don't know, fighter planes above us. <laughs> but oh, anyway, that's what you're I hearing. I couldn't hear anything. So. Okay, good. Um, yeah. But what I, um, that is just awesome because I know that a lot of people at, like feel like, what's the difference between rising and sun? So basically sun is almost like our destination of who we really want to be. That's where you're fully becoming. This is where the work really is. And then the rising is at your first impression, how you show up in the world, how people perceive you on the initialness. And then yeah. the moon is like, like your true self of like, you know, everything's your, just your emotional world, your soul, your emotional world. So you can see that they all have to work together because yeah. you can also think the sun is driving the car, which is the rising sign. And the moon is on the passenger seat. Gotcha. Pilot, you know, and yeah. all the other planets are in the backseat. <laughs> um, one way to see it, you know. Yeah. So, so then if, for example, because you were saying follow the moon and then the sun will be happy. Um, so I have Leo moon, which I feel like as the more I've been working with it, it's like, okay, it can be challenging. I feel like because Leo moon, like Leo is like very out there. 
It wants a center of attention. It could be dramatic. And so from an internal landscape, does that mean that I have to be like that on an emotional level or? Yeah, I think with the moon, the, the, the word to always remember is need. need. What does okay. one need? So funny enough, the moon is in Leo. Right about now, yes. <laughs> we just had a new moon in Leo um, at the time of this recording. Yes. And, um, so if you think about the, pers- the, the, pers- the, from the perspective of need, you need Leo things. Right. So Leo, what does Leo need? Or what does Leo, you know, signify? One of the things about Leo is that it's here to develop uh, who one fully is so they can be fully expressed who they are. There is a need to create something in the world that is one's own, that has their creative DNA in it. Mm. There is, is a Leo's, Leo's also known for their generosity, for their ability to be warm. Um, you know, it has to do with the heart. So with the moon in Leo, there's something about like how one needs to do what's in the heart. Um, and to be warm and generous. It's also about play. It's fun. Mm. Uh, Leo is a fire sign. This, each the signs have their elements, right? And fire signs, which are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius, they have this one thing uh, in common, which is um, they really believe at a deep level that they are the children of the gods. And they look around and, and as if they're selling, telling people, what do you mean you don't see I'm a child? I am a divine child of the mm-hmm. gods. Can't you see it? So there is a specialness to it, especially when it comes to Leo. and. So I think the, the, the drive, the motivation that Leo has for, look at me, you know, is on one level is look at me, you know, I'm performing. So they can go into performance mode. But deeper inside, much deeper than that, it's an acknowledgement. What they need is an acknowledgement of who they are and it's okay for them to be who they are. Mm. So when you take that, from the moon for a few things you're going to need play you're going to need a life that has a bit of pizzazz because leo especially needs pizzazz um and need a certain sense of the drama of things you know life is a big play so there's a bigness to it and so it does need to be seen and it's not necessarily that one needs to be seen at Madison Square Garden with 10,000 people. Yeah. It could be that. Crazy. It could be that yeah. <laughs> but it also could be someone really acknowledging what, acknowledging, let's say, your generosity, your warmth, what you've created, what you bring into the world. You know, it's important. So I think ultimately each sign once they do their own work, because <laughs> we all have the shadow, right, aspect mm-hmm. as well. But one of the things that I think that Leo teaches us when they do their own work is that um, it's okay to self-express, to express oneself fully in the world stage. I do think that's the superpower that Leo can teach us. And that once they acknowledge that the stage, that there's the stage is very big and the others could be on the stage with them. They can be very generous in sharing the stage with others. 
Now you add that to your sun in cancer, right? I have sun in cancer and rising. Like rising. So, so, so the plot thickens, right? Yeah. Because the sun in cancer, think of the crab, much more private. Right. You know? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to be, you know, it can get into that. doesn't mean that they can't go, you know, go big. Um, but there, it's a little bit more, if you will, retired, right? More, a bit more sort of cautious in how they go out into the world. Cancers, the animal itself doesn't even move directly, it moves sideways. And then you have that moon who's like, but I need to be seen. So how do those two communicate, right? How do you, so it's really interesting that to do your moon, you have to be acknowledged. So then that you can then tap into the, um, the nourishment of cancer, right? Then you can really shine your sun in cancer who was like, okay, now I'm going to help others belong, you know, belong yeah. at the table. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, take them in. Right. And so it's a, it, to give a sort of a pretty simple example for you would be if you were to cook a food for your friends uh, that you invite them over for, you know, you're sharing, you're breaking bread with them, you're feeding them, very cancerian, I'm going to nurture you, it's okay, I'm going to take care of you. But they don't acknowledge. That they would piss me off. <laughs> what would happen to the cancerian son? I'm going to get moody. I'm going to sulk, you know. The oh. joke is cancerians can sulk, you know, they have a PhD in sulking. <laughs> So um, they soak like the best of them. That would happen. And also think about this when you don't do your moon, when you don't get that acknowledgement, then it's a, like it's like being hangry, right? Mm. And it's like you might, not since you do, but someone else also with the moon in the view could be then they're going to go grab the stage, you know. They're going to grab the spotlight. They're going to push people off the stage if they have to uh, with drama, right? So you can see how it can go when it's not nourished or fed properly. A good diet of recognition is good. I love that. And I love how like they all intertwine and all of the, the pieces, like they all kind of depend on each other in a way. And um, it's just so fascinating like the moon sign and just really honoring and knowing who are, who we are at a deeper level. Yeah. That's why I like to do these workshops about moon and self care because, and the joke I have is that it's beyond pedicures. <laughs> uh, although I love a pedicure, but um, because that is really where the self care really is. That's the challenge of the moon because the truth is in our culture, we're very solar. You know, we tend to, uh, emphasize the solar needs and forget what the moon needs and so it's important to know I think when you do know your moon sign it does help to to guide you a little bit better as to like okay what is it that I actually really need to feel that this self-care that I'm trying to do really feeds me mm -hmm. and, and in most of the uh, most of the times of course people are doing it unconsciously as well also the moon there's that element the moon does speak to how you behave unconsciously you know when you're just going about your do 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 that's usually the moon mm. yeah. 
So then like if you look at the full moon and the new moon, does that come into play with our inner moon, like our moon sign? Um, it, it does in a way that it, when I look at the birth chart, I like to look at the relationship of the sun and moon in your birth chart to know what's the lunar phase you were born under. Ah. So the lunar phase speaks to uh, the relationship that your sun has with the moon. And this really gives it a coloring because um, a new moon personality is different than a full moon personality, mm. you know? So, um, and then all the other phases come into play. So it's, it's a, it does invite one to have a deeper conversation because when you look at the lunar phase, what lunar phase you were born under, it speaks to a different level of like, oh, how this is how these two communicate. And, and it can be challenging because uh, uh, like in my, in my case, as an example, my moon and my, my son are in signs that are challenged. Uh, they mm-hmm. challenge each other. So it's like what the moon needs, the sun is like, no, 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 and vice versa. So they have to find some sort of uh, middle ground. But, um, you know, it does, so looking at the relationship of the lunar phase is about the relationship of the sun and moon. That's one of the pieces, like when I took your workshop at camp, it was like learning about like we each are born into a moon phase. And that was so fascinating because like, I was, I didn't even know that was a thing. And like, I forget which one I was, but it was just like, wow. Yeah. yeah. It might've been like waning or waxing gibbous or something like that. Um, but it was just very, like, that was one piece that I don't hear a lot of astrologers talk about, like the phases of the moon of when we were born, and each one of them has a personality. I think, well, because you're a moon in Leo, so you probably are either a new, you're probably a new moon or crescent. I think, but I think you're probably a new moon. I can't like remember. Coming, like the next phase coming out of the new moon. I crescent. 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 Yeah. So, so you're a waxing phase. So it's, think about this just and I I like to talk a lot about the moon um just in general you know where's the moon today um because also the moon represents um the public the people Hmm. so in the birth chart of a country it speaks to the people in the birth chart of a business it's the client as well as the employee the clients the market and the employees your team and and so it's interesting because the moon fluctuates right every couple of days or so it's in a different sign within a month it's gone through all these eight phases so it's always shifting and you can see this in the mood right of if you like if you have a store let's say you can really see the mood of the clients coming in more Mm. readily right um so when you're I've, if you think about the two main differences, right? You have a new moon, we, which we had last night, and then you have the full moon. So you have the seed, it's in the dark, it's unseen, it's, in, it's, it's still in case, it's potentiality. And that's the new moon, okay. New moon. The full moon, it comes to a culmination, right? It needs to be acknowledged, right? This is the celebration. So the way I like to teach the phases of the moon is I use the dinner party analogy, right? So when it's a new moon, you just have the idea, I'm going to make lasagna. 
that's what I'm, I'm inspired. Boom, I'm going to make lasagna. The crescent moon, this is the first phase, right? Until you get to the full moon. So it's the waxing phase. There's a sense of you going out into the world, right? You're pushing it out. From the inside, you're pushing it out. So the crescent moon says, let me look what I have in the cupboard. Do I have the ingredients? Do I have all the stuff? I'm going to start texting my friends. Hey, come over tonight. I'm making lasagna. And then, you, you know, you send the text out. People say, yes, we'll be there. Then you hit the first quarter moon, right? And then the first quarter moon, you're like, oh, my God, I just realized that this key ingredient I don't have this key ingredient. I don't have any time to go to the grocery store because now I'm already cooking. So you have to think in your feet and call one of your friends and like, hey, so-and-so, can you bring this thing? Because I don't have it. It's an emergency, but you're too far gone into it, right? The invitations are out. People are coming. First quarter moon, think on your feet, pivot. You can't, there's no turning point. You can't return. You're going. Full speed ahead. And then you get to the waxing uh, gibbous. So it looks like a pregnant moon. It looks almost full, but not full yet. And then the gibbous moon is that moment where, okay, the lasagna is in the oven. You're making the salad. You're cooling the wine. You're setting the table. You're getting it all prepared. You're, you're doing your playlist of music. You know, you're finessing the lessons. And then you do a little YouTube video to see, oh, how do I do this thing here? You know, you're still learning how to perfect uh, your whipping cream or something. And, you, you know, you're going to go get ready for the party. But it's not the party yet. But you're preparing for the party. There's a sense of like it's almost the first friends start arriving and then you have the full moon culmination all the guests have arrived everybody's eating the food they're really enjoying chatting it's a wonderful time culmination they thank you because you're a leo moon so they should thank you <laughs> um thank you michelle this is amazing. <laughs> lovely when you're doing this again oh my god um that moment of the full moon the acknowledgement the culmination and you already are thinking hmm, what shall i do next time mm. right you're, there's a sense of like oh or, or kind of like oh you're taking in the compliments so well thank you very much i know i'm a great cook so but at that moment of the full moon you realize as well that okay you can tell that the party start is going to start going you mm. know slowing down mm -hmm. And then the next phase of the moon is what we call the disseminating moon, as in to disseminate, right? To spread. Mm. I like to call it the Frank Sinatra moon, you know, when he's saying start spreading the news. Um, it's also called the waning gibbous because it looks still pretty full, but you can tell it's not fully exact, exactly mm. round. So the disseminating moon is, to back to the party analogy, you're... The first guests are leaving. You're putting, there's still a lot of lasagna left, so you're putting all in Tupperware and take, you know, take, you know, take some with you, you know. Here, there's still a lot of dessert. I can't eat all by myself, you know, just take all this, da da da, da. You start spreading it. Send it, you know. Uh, friends are posting pictures on Instagram of how love, a lovely time they have <laughs> in the house. They're telling everybody how, what a wonderful time it is. And, you know, you can really tell the party's starting to unwind, but there's still this sort of activity of sharing, right? Then you get to the 
last quarter moon. And maybe you only have a friend or two with you, your closest friends with you still. You're, they're helping you clean up the kitchen and they're already talking about how the party went and what shall we do next time? And maybe we should do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these ideas, like a post-mortem. Mm -hmm. um, but also the last quarter moon speaks to that point in which we have to take in what worked and what didn't work. Mm. You know, so you might say, oh, I don't know, the sauce wasn't just quite this. I might do it again differently. You know, you have those thoughts. And then you have the balsamic moon. And the balsamic moon, the waning crescent, is your friends have left. The dishes are in the dishwasher. You've turned it on. It's 2 a.m. You're exhausted, but you're still kind of wired. You put your feet up. You're starting like, I'm just going to sort of relax here. I'm going to maybe watch a little TV. I just need to regroup. This was wonderful. You, just, you think, oh, God, I should just throw the trash out because if I don't throw the trash out, it's going to smell the kitchen. So you, you run down and you throw the trash out. You know, because you, if you really want to purge and release, you want to mm. do the balsamic moon. Um, because the balsamic moon is like, not anything that you're not taking on the journey, the next journey, you're ah. not putting in the new seed, this is what you eliminate. Ah, okay. So I see a lot of people eliminating things. They always use the full moon to eliminate. Uh -huh. And I'm like, but before you eliminate, you have to acknowledge. It's shining. It's in full bloom. Mm. So... I would say if you want to do a ritual around the full moon to eliminate whatever, but then first at least acknowledge it, mm -hmm. honor, see it. It's illuminated. But if you really want to release things, last quarter moon, balsamic moon are the way to go. That is so You want to clean cool. up your closet. <laughs> Declutter, get out of the... That's when you do it. Oh my gosh, that is so... Like, I, that is so fascinating. That's my lasagna moon phase. <laughs> and so everybody has... They were born into a moon phase. And so like what each phase represents kind of has an imprint in their own system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. So you can see like people who are crescent moon... They're, well, the new moon people, they're, they kind of have this, the potentiality is all there. Mm -hmm. They're kind of listening. They, they almost have one foot in another world still. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to, you know, they're still in the case. So there's a, there's a, a, a certain kind of naivete mm -hmm. to the world. It's kind of new. Things are new, right? Then you have the crescent moon. A lot about the crescent moon is to really dig in in the trenches and start working on the foundation. Mm. And so there's a lot of sort of like, okay, I got to keep doing this. I'm, I'm digging in. I'm digging. I have to create the foundation for something. First quarter moon people tend to be very action oriented because first quarter and last quarter are crisis moons in the sense that there's something happening i gotta think quickly mm. the first quarter moon people tend to be very good on action they need to take action they're good they're the people you call when you need something to be done yeah gotcha gibbous moon people they're very um geared towards know-how learning know-how perfecting something what do i need to do to make this 
perf perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And full moon, of course, um, there is a sense of um, in full engagement with the world, so it tends to be dramatic. Mm -hmm. Personal lives are uh, intense. Mm. And then the disseminating poopy, uh, moon people, they're sharing. They have to communicate. They have to share what they know. Mm. Last quarter moon people, they have a, a, an interesting challenge in which they can, at some point in their lives, they will make a major pivot that everybody's going to be like, I never thought Jimmy was going to do that. What happened? I never thought he would like sell his company and move to Hawaii and be a surfer kind of situation. <laughs> like, there's this, um, but because deep inside something in them was already brewing as to like, uh, I'm doing what is expected and I might be doing this, but then I got to do something that's my own. Mm. So they're, they were often the revolutionaries in that sense. Mm. And then the balsamic men people have a sense of um, they're finishing things. Mm -hmm crossing the T's, dotting the I's, uh, the sense of the, as if this life is like, okay, there's a few things that have been unfinished and I got to do it now. Balsamic moon in the month during the balsamic phase, you, you want to rest, but you also want to finish what you've, you know, this is when you, you might get that second win and be like, I will finish. It's like in the, like in the example I gave you, like, oh, if I leave the trash, it's going to smell. I should take it out now. So you're like, oh, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> when you were explaining that part, I was like, oh, I can totally see it. It's almost like you're in your comfy chair, you're kicking up your feet. And you're like, damn, I got to take out the trash. <laughs> take out the trash. Uh, but it's kind of that sense of the balsamic. It was like, I got to get all the little bit of energy I got left and yeah. use it, you know? Yeah. And so balsamic moon, people who are born on the balsamic moon, they're here to sort of really break away from the past mm. and really sort of uh, cut, um, clean up, purge what needs to be purged, finish what has been started, really, you know, do the inventory, if you will, mm. uh, and finish it up. Wow. I, I just love this. Like I could honestly, like I say this to a lot of the people I interview, but I can talk to you for hours. This and like I have so many questions. Um, so, so many when, questions. Yes. All the things. All the things. Um, and you also do like business astrology, which, you know, we don't have time to, to get into today, but like, how do people, like, do people sign up for private sessions and like, like how do people work with you? They can sign up to, yeah, private sessions on my website. Um, I have an, a, have an upcoming talk on it. I call it the uh, sun is your CEO. So from a business perspective, in short, you look at the birth chart as if it were um, from a business perspective. So the sun becomes then the key, the core, the soul of the business, the DNA of the business, the CEO of the business. And the, the moon is your client relations and, you know, you go on from there. And is this based on like, like, for example, if I was coming to you, you would look at like my birth chart as a business or the day I started my business? So I often end up looking at both. So okay. a little different. Usually when someone is the face of the business, uh, I will look uh, at their birth chart because this is really where it started. And uh, if they have it, because some people actually don't have it, they 
they launched the website, they, they might not have registered their business or something. But I will also look at the business chart. So let's say you register your LLC or whatever it is, or at least you say, this is when I launched the website, this is when I told the world, you know, I've started my business. I might pick that date to pull, to create the birth chart for the business, the entity of the business. And then we'll look at that as well. For some people who are not the face of the business, I'll still touch a little bit on the personal chart just because it all starts there, you know, mm -hmm. but I'll focus more on the business chart because the business is its own, has its own soul, is its own entity. I mean, legally it's, it's, it's an entity. Mm -hmm. So it, it has its own chart. Uh, and this does help with, I focus mainly from the perspective of branding of like, what are you creating? Are you aligned with it? Um, what is the business about? What opportunities could you be exploring? You know, or maybe harnessing your energies. And uh, it, it is very illuminating, I think, even when you're just looking at a person's personal birth chart from a business perspective, it says a lot about what could they be developing for their business. You know, in this day and age with so many entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, it's really illuminating. That's incredible. And so um, people can come to you for a business, um, for personal, and I don't know if you can hear the plane. Now, hear now plane. you can hear the planes. Um, sorry, all. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Keep it exciting. There's Keep airplane. it exciting, yeah. Um, and then you were talking about Moon, like you hold workshops, like monthly workshops. I do because you know I'm a big fan. Yes. <laughs> Another passion of mine is mythology, and which has a lot to do with the whole archetypal thing. And this year I'm starting season two. I just actually wrapped, finished season one, which is a series of um, monthly talks around the moon and goddesses, and it's always around the new moon. And so I approach the new moon, the themes of the new moon, the sign. And I bring in a goddess that I feel that the story has an alignment with that new moon. So it's a way to weave astrology and mythology and storytelling uh, and explore it from different themes that could be unfolding. So this week, I actually just did the new moon in Leo and I talked about Medusa. So I'm <laughs> it was pretty, uh, I mean, much like her head with the snakes, it was I running all over the place um and so at the end of august now on august 28th i'm gonna have the new moon in virgo and i'm gonna talk about the goddess hestia and these are going to be done online you can find all the information on my website and so it's a live call you get the recording i and, love it yeah yeah well i'm excited to check it out um yeah, it sounds like, especially like with goddesses, I'm just fascinated, especially with the feminine archetypes. And yeah, um, I, I wanted to use that because uh, I actually call it the Moon and Goddesses Archetypes of Transformation uh, series is because I found so many people exploring and wanting to do rituals around the new moon mm -hmm. that I wanted to bring in mythology as a way to explore story. So what I tell the people who come to the talk is that pick a thread and follow that thread. We do talk about like ways to honor that specific new moon. Um, and also, you know, how because the goddesses and the gods 
our archetypes. And I still, I feel that they want to engage with us. And so the more we explore their stories, these old stories, but they're kind of new stories at the same time, we are learning something. And I think something gets activated there. Um, and so for each of the goddesses that I've explored, it has been really fascinating. So for this season two, I have some, uh, you know, if you will, the, some goddesses that I've used before, but I'm bringing in other new goddesses too. So it's going to be a combination of Greek and Celtic goddesses. I love it. And I love that you're taking it online because I'm on your mailing list. I'm like, oh man, they're all in Portland. And <laughs> yeah, I did them all in Portland. <laughs> so now it's online. Yay! Uh, and I finally finished the webpage. So I'm going to be releasing that soon. Oh, incredible. Uh, so I'm excited because I have Hestia, just some of the ones that I have Hestia, Hecate, um, Seridwen, which is a Celtic goddess. Uh, Athena and next year I'll be doing two workshops with one with Medusa and one with Venus as well Ooh, that is juicy it's gonna be in Portland though so oh, okay you may need to come. <laughs> I might need to drive down <laughs> oh so good yeah so it's a way to bridge you know so I do I love to do the business part because I really feel that the business is the ultimate creation you know you're birthing and crafting a business it has your dna in it and it's also so challenging it's heroic to create your own business but i also like to touch on the sort of more mythological life aspect of things because it's the intersection of life and livelihood that mm -hmm. i like to do that work I jokingly yeah. tell clients that i'm kind of like their business therapist you know to help them be like hey you know, I, I do have a background in counseling psychology, so it comes through, but uh, it's like, oh, look, you and your business are not communicating. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's just so fascinating. And I just love, um, I can see it, like, it's just so beneficial for people to know, like, the astrology of their business, their sign, and how, like, whatever challenges come up, like, it, it illuminates what's happening, you know? <laughs> It does, and not to mention like the bigger astrology of what's happening in the world. That's really, that's really where I, for me, astrology holds such a special place because I like to understand what's unfolding. So when you look at bigger cycles, you're like oh yeah, that's why though you know this is happening. Uh, it does gives a, it does give us a bird's eye view and a bigger perspective on what's unfolding. Nice. That is like, we need to talk so you, further. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can talk about the astrology of 2020. Uh, big oh, one. We need to have you back. <laughs> okay, I'll come back. I'll come back. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So then um, how do people learn more about you through social media, website? I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Vanessa Kuto uh, number 25 because uh, and Kuto is C-O-U-T-O and 25 was the date of my birthday so I was like okay how boring is that but 25 and my website is vanessakuto.com cool I will share that in the show notes thank you so much Vanessa I just love learning from you thank you it was lovely Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Check out Vanessa's work and uh, join us next week on another episode. Thanks so much, Vanessa. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.